time for you and your money. As I am joined this morning by Jim Zahansky, Principal Managing Partner and Chief Goal Strategist at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors. My buddy Jim, welcome back, my friend. Morning, Wayne. How are you? I'm a little cold this morning. I don't know about you, but uh, I found the breeze to be a little obnoxious this morning, too. Now, in today's episode, we're discussing the significant financial changes that we've seen during the calendar year 2023. Everything from rising interest rates to retirement planning changes. But before we begin that conversation, as always, let's get the update. Give me the latest news from the financial markets, Jim. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're tracking what's going on in the markets and our investment committee. Um, November was really a really great month for U.S. stocks, with uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closing as highest level since January of 2022, uh, which is up about 9% year-to-date. And, of course, the S&P 500, uh, which we watch closely, as well as the NASDAQ, they also had their best month since July of 2022, uh, now having year-to-date gains in both indices in double digits. I mean, believe it or not, the S&P is now up 18% um, this year, and then NASDAQ up about 35%. So it's, it's really been an interesting year, uh, interesting few years. And I think what's been driving these few years has been the interest rates and monetary policy you know, put in place by the Federal Reserve and, of course, globally. Um, mark, you know, markets ex- sort of exploded in November, in, in essence, for that very reason, because they're now perceiving that the Federal Reserve may be done raising interest rates and even cutting interest rates in mid-2024. That's sort of what markets are pricing in. Um, and so in our investment committee, you know, we've been watching very closely the monetary policy, and then we have also been watching the jobs data, which, uh, you know, is really important because if people continue to have jobs and spend money, in essence, they're supporting the companies on these stock indices, which, uh, you know, really have to turn a profit and hit their earnings for the markets to continue to grow. So I think there are some real positive signs, you know, as it relates to uh, interest rates over the next year as they start to come down because inflation is cooling. And if people continue to have jobs and spend money, and inflation continues to come down, we'll likely see interest rate policy also come down, which will really support strong stock markets and improve the bond market performance. And, and that's sort of as we go into 2024, that's how we're thinking markets will perform, uh, which, which gives us a real opportunity to uh, position portfolios appropriately for our clients. Well, there's been a lot of talk the last year, maybe two years, about the Fed and it's raising the interest rates. Some people critical of that, but it almost sounds like what you're saying is that they're raising the interest rates had a positive impact, at least on the markets. Yeah, I mean, we were all very upset because it was costing us a lot more and still has in some cases in whatever we're buying, particularly at grocery stores. You know, for a period of time, it also meant more at the gas pump, although that's cooled. And so, yeah, I mean, really, and I remember when we were talking about this when it was happening, I mean, it was the steepest interest rate increase in the history of the Fed. Um, You know, it sort of brought people back if you lived through the late 70s, early 80s. It brought you back to that sort of time period where inflation was really high, interest rates were really high. In this case, the Fed, you know, took took, uh, the stance of really increasing interest rates in hopes that it would cool off uh, price increases, which drive inflation. It seems to be working. Uh, Clearly, we're not fully through it. 
you know, interest rates are not coming down tomorrow. Markets are pricing them in as interest rates coming down uh, late spring, early summer of 2024, which should continue to have a positive impact on prices coming down and cooling off inflation. Jim, you made a reference to gas prices, and you can actually find gas in this part of the state, some places, under $3 a gallon. I don't find that when I'm in other parts of the state, so we're in an area here which does have some lower prices. But in general, yes, the Fed's interest rate hikes have had an impact on slowing down inflation, but isn't there also a similar effect when the gas or the energy prices come down that all of a sudden now it doesn't cost you as much to transport your goods from point A to point B, and that helps bring prices down as well? Exactly. So those are all correlated, right? I mean, a big part of, of what you know how goods and services get to places in the U.S. is through uh, you know, planes, uh, trucks, and trains, all of which are using you know, some sort of fuel in most cases. Uh, to transport. So clearly there's, a, uh, as you're saying, um, you know, an additive effect when you can keep the transportation costs down, it in essence can end, uh, lower the end user price. And that's, that's really what's been happening as inflation has cooled significantly. I mean, we were talking, uh, you know, inflation and uh, year on year in, in the sevens a year ago, and, and now we're, we're looking at the threes. The Fed target is that you want it to be down to two and a half or two. And so they're not quite there yet, but there's a, a, you know, a trend towards lower inflation, which for all of us listeners really means uh, lower prices or at least stabilized prices uh, it, you know, in the near term. Really good information, good update from Jim Zahansky at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors. Now on to today's topic. Jim, what are some of the developments that have impacted wealth management and financial planning in this year, 2023? Yeah, I mean, one of the noticeable uh, shifts, and we were just talking about it, has been uh, the rising interest rates. You know, higher rates this this year have given opportunities for managing short-term holdings, um, you know, mostly cash holdings. Uh, giving individuals a chance to earn higher interest rates on cash reserves. So, you know, all the way from some savings accounts to certificates of deposit to U.S. treasuries uh, to to money market funds have all paid, uh, you know, significantly higher than they have in the past. I mean, we've had CD rates above 5%. That's one of the positive effects of rising interest rates. The other is that when you have a rise in inflation, uh, you know, those of, of you on Social Security that are listening, you've seen noticeably larger Social Security increases in 2022 and in 2023 than you have in the past. These are aimed at offsetting some of the increased cost of living that we were just talking about, um, you know, particularly for those listeners that are retirees and depending on that Social Security benefit. Uh, you know, and so that's one of the positive impacts uh, of, of interest rates. And although they're, they're, they're likely to come down in 2024, um, that sort of impact it has on increased benefits and short-term cash savings has really been a, a boon to some who are saving in the banks and in, cre- in using their Social Security benefits to offset rising costs. Interesting stuff. How have monetary policy shifts affected investment portfolios? This is, I mean, as I said earlier, in our investment committee, uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the Fed has been saying and using, I think, a much more data-driven approach to increasing interest rates, particularly in 2023. In 2022, they knew they just had to keep increasing. In 2023, um, 
you know, it's been more of a of a of a data driven scenario where they're looking, um, you know, is interest rate are is inflation coming down, and if it is, uh, you know, do we need to keep raising at such a such a high rate? And they obviously um, lowered the pace and the rate of increases in 2023. So that was, um, I think, for us, an interest to give us an interesting opportunity set when we looked across the markets, right? I mean, we we were able to use cash instruments, treasuries uh, that were stable and paying at higher rates, and we were able to mix those, uh, you know, with value type stocks that are paying higher higher interest than than uh, and dividends than they had in the past, and growth stocks in 2023, particularly in the tech sector, really started to take off. So. The, all of these combined allowed for you know fairly significant portfolio performance this year from our investment committee as we watched monetary policy, interest rates, and inflation start to, to move. Jim, let's talk about the SECURE Act 2.0, which introduced retirement planning changes. Elaborate on that, please. Yeah, this was some big legislation that that uh, came through, you know, late last year uh, through, through Congress, and, and it, it really... Uh, it brought some significant changes that will go into place over the next few years, but for 2023, um, you know, it, it meant things like the introduction of student loan payment matching contributions from employers, um, and it also raised the required minimum distribution age to 73, and if you were born after the year of 1960, it raised it to age 75. So have an increasing required minimum distribution age, um, you know, which has been, been ongoing. Um, so meaning if you have an IRA, you don't have to take a required minimum distribution now to age 73. And if you're born uh, after 1960, it's, it's age 75. So it's really benefiting. Um, this act really benefited those planning for retirement and managing uh, tax-deferred funds overall. The human aspect of financial decisions crucial. How has psychology influenced financial planning this year? I think it influences it every year. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, you know, our job as as financial advisors and our team and our, our advisory team, which you know consists of of uh, certified financial planners and and those who have experience in in financial planning, um, our, part of our job is to manage psychology of clients because. What happens is, um, you know, many clients and, and investors tend to react favorably when markets are up and want to jump in to buying at that point. And what, that's okay. Uh, however, it's much better to buy when markets are lower. And so, you know, we've sort of, um, we, take, we take the idea of looking at long-term risk-adjusted returns in our investment committee. We look at five- and seven-year returns, and we try to manage psychology um, through the ups and downs of markets because you can't control the ups and downs. You can only understand when they may or may not be coming and how to navigate them. And we take that very seriously, um, and we try to align it to our clients' goals and their values because each person is different. Each client has a different uh, investment strategy that aligns to their own goals and values. And, and so um, I, I guess to get back to your question on psychology, it's just sort of taking the client's goals and values and trying to help them manage through when the ups and downs of the market so that we can help them achieve their goals. And, that, and that's really what personalized advice uh, is all about and what we really strive to provide to our clients. That's a great point. Understanding the psychological aspects that drive financial decisions has become increasingly important. 
Recognizing clients' goals, values, and concerns allows us to offer more personalized advice. So, Jim, can you elaborate more on the emphasis on client values and the goals at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky? Yeah, I mean, so, uh, um, you know, clients basically think about they, their needs, their preferences, their values. I mean, that really is the heart of, of, uh, of financial planning, um, and it deeply resonates with our approach here. I mean, we really try to truly understand our, our clients' perspectives. So uh, I'll give you an exact example. I mean, we, 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 we pride ourselves on delivering what we call a plan well, invest well, live well process. And I'd say what makes that sort of unique is we really don't enact an investment strategy, the invest well phase, until we do the plan well phase. So do you have a significant financial plan? And what does that mean? It means what are your goals? When are you trying to achieve them? Do we have an uh, income plan for retirement? You know, when you retire, how are you getting income? How is that managing uh, things like inflation? How is it managing through the ups and downs of the market? That's what a financial plan is. And so if you're working with uh, an advisor, ask them for a retirement income plan, if that's a goal of yours. If you're looking to buy a house for in the next few years and you're trying to save for that, be sure your investment strategy manages that time horizon. And so that's specifically how we connect the invest well phase to the plan well phase. And each of our clients has a different connection for both what they're trying to achieve, that's their goals, and how we invest the money that's the invest well phase of, of what we do. So hopefully that helps, uh, uh, helps you answer that question about our emphasis on clients' values and goals. I realize people are a little bit more concerned about trimming trees and buying gifts for the next couple of weeks or so. But do you find people at the end of the year or correspondingly at the beginning of the new year thinking about maybe a financial plan? And that would include not just new investments, but maybe also reallocating some of the current investments in the portfolio? Yeah, I mean, great question. Clearly, you, you at this point in time, I mean, to your point, most people are focusing on the holidays and spending time with family, but it is a good time to think about things like tax loss harvesting in your portfolio. You know, have you, have, and this is something we do for all clients, have you done the right portfolio management, you know, do you need to rebalance your portfolio based on your risk profile? These are all questions to ask yourself now. Of course, after the first year, you lose that tax loss harving, harvesting opportunity for the tax year. But uh, if you don't get to it, in, you know, in November or December, certainly something you should, uh, you know, consider for next year. So I think um, you're, you're right on, Wayne, that people uh, want to and should want to evaluate their their overall financial plan, inclusive of these sorts of tax efficiencies, inclusive of these sorts of is it uh, is your portfolio invested right? And then thirdly, uh, just ensuring that you are on track uh, against your goals. I mean, if you're retired and you have a fixed income, you know, is, that, is the portfolio producing the income you need? Uh, and how will it look in the future is the heart of financial planning and specifically retirement income planning. Jim, you and I have done these shows for the best part of 20 years now, you and your money. And you just dropped a phrase on me I've never heard you use before, and I don't quite know what it means. And maybe you can clarify what tax loss harvesting is. <laughs> we, we, it's basically, you know, uh, during the end of the corn season, we go out in the fields and, and cut them down. And then you shuck them and eat them. 
<laughs> no, uh, yeah. So I mean, similar. It's a similar. It's a concept similar time of year. However, right? I mean, you're basically looking at the portfolio and trying to understand: is do you have specific holdings that uh, that you know may not be necessary in the portfolio that you could that have a loss? You know, they've lost money since you've owned it. And if you take that loss during the tax year, uh, you realize it is what we call, that's the language, we realize the loss in the portfolio by selling it. Um, you, you, in fact, could have a positive tax benefit. So say, for example, you sold um, a, a, you know, a home this year where you had a capital gain on it. And so you're trying to offset some of those capital gains um, with some losses. And that is something we try to do for clients if, if, in fact, that's a situation they're in. And that gets directly back to the question you asked me about how do we manage goals. Uh, and, it, you know, and this is one way. If you, you, know, if you specifically had a, had a goal of reducing taxes, we would look at your portfolio and see if we can't realize some of the losses so that you can offset some of the gains you might have had. So that's it, uh, what tax loss harvesting is, Wayne. I remember back in the day, they would talk about diversifying portfolios, and that would include some international stocks. Are we as big on international now as we were 10, 20 years or so ago? Is it still a good idea to buy international? Um, I mean, it's always good to have a diversified portfolio, and we certainly own international. We, we're mostly focused on uh, developed nations, so we're really not in uh, you know, non-developed nations internationally. But I would tell you this, we've certainly trimmed the holdings in international, largely because over the past 10 years, and I was saying to you, we focus on the long-term risk-adjusted return. So we're looking at 5, 7, and 10-year performance. When you look at the last 10 years, uh, it's hard to believe um, that international has outperformed the U.S. It hasn't, right? Uh, wildly uh, underperformed the U.S. stock markets. So when you look at the indices, so it's certainly something to hold. And I'm not saying there aren't good opportunities there. There are, um, however, they're just not haven't have not performed uh, the way the U.S. markets have performed over the last ten years. I hear you got some new talent on the staff. Tell me about Ashley Robbins. Yeah, so we've continued to grow. Obviously, we've added uh, a Tolland office. And, and, you know, I think that uh, Lawrence and I feel really strongly about continuing to invest uh, and ensure our clients have quality, uh, you know, in their financial plans and investment strategy. So Ashley is, uh, is joining us in a client uh, relationship and um, client experience role. So she's going to be focused on helping clients at the tactical level. So once we have a financial plan in place, that's done by uh, you know a CFP para planner and the advisor because uh, the advisor is really driving the strategy. You know as people like Ashley uh, who's new to our team, but she would work with others like Brandon and Kayla uh, and Matt, and they help the clients you know day to day if they need forms filled out or money draws or required minimum distributions. That's really what um, their their role is on the team. And Ashley joined us. She's an Eastern Connecticut State University graduate. Uh, you know, worked in the service business and restaurants, and um, you know, she has a background we think can really help our team as we uh, help our clients to plan and invest well. And she's from Stafford Springs, Connecticut. Does that mean maybe that she works out of your Tolland office now, or does she work out of Pomfret or C? All of the above. All of the above. Yeah, she's going to be in Tolland three days a week and Pomfret uh, a few days a week. So um, have her in both, and I think that's the basis for for most of our team as we 
cycle all everyone through both offices uh, to meet where the clients you know are meeting us. Hey, speaking of teams, you and I are both Red Sox guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Yankees getting Juan Soto and the Red Sox giving up Alex Verdugo? I mean, you know, there seems to be a trend of the of the Yankees uh, picking up the big the big. Uh, the big guns. I think they get better in this case, and I'm not sure what we're doing, but um, we we aren't we are not investing the right amounts of money in the market yet. So let's see what happens. Hopefully, uh, John Henry is going to deliver on what his promise is to rebuild and to invest. So that's what we need. Or Craig Breslow as well. Jim, good stuff. Thanks for joining us today and uh, sharing the insights of uh, what's going on in 2023 as it wraps up. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me. Of course, it's been an interesting year in a lot of ways. It really tested the psychology of investors this year in the ups and downs of monetary policy. But it certainly uh, ha- has been notable year in many ways, both from a uh, uh, policy and financial planning. And you know, I think from our team's perspective, we're we're really happy with where our clients have ended up for the year, and that we've been able to deliver a personalized financial planning and investment strategy for them. And I wish. You and uh, all your loved ones, an amazing holiday season, and uh, can't wait to pick these up again into 2024. Jim Zahansky talking about the most impactful financial changes of 2023. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor, Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at 697 Pomfret Street in Pomfret Center, 06259, and at 392A Merrow Road, Tolland, 06084. You can call them, 860-928-2341. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors do not provide legal or tax advice. The tenured Financial Services Team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, please visit whzwealth.com. 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.